Welcome to Real Testaments. The messages shared at Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. We trust God that through this message, your life will be transformed and you will receive grace to influence your world. God bless you. You know, this is the first time we're having Life in the Spirit conference. Let's check 2 Corinthians chapter 10. My people here know me very well that I like one particular translation. Yeah, TPT, the Passion Translation. It's a long read, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 1. is actually a long read, but I will just read uh, 10, I mean 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 5 and 6. It said, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and bring through every arrogant attitude that is raised in deviance of the true knowledge of God, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. King James uses the word Christ. Okay, Christ is the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. The reason why we are gathered here today is because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. As the world is approaching, you know, crunch time, there is need for us to exalt and glorify Jesus. And anything false prophets and the devil, Satan, is going to do is to ensure that attention is not given to Jesus. That's the truth. But today, Jesus said something in John chapter 4, verse 23. He said, the time is coming, and now is that time where the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in what? In truth. And it's important that we capitalize on that word in spirit and in truth. Paul talking in one of his writings, he said, as spirituals, you know, we are spirit people. We must see ourselves first as spirits before we see ourselves as flesh. It's very important. Because what Jesus Christ did for us was to bring a life, was to revitalize our spirit. Therefore, we can control the spiritual and bring into fruition those things that are in the spirit. Little wonder he said something. He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on it, you shall lose it in heaven. That is authority. And he's talking about church. You are a change agent because you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you are a member of God's own family. Therefore, you are a change agent. And so you pull your resources and power from the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. And that is the confidence that we have tonight. Praise the Lord. It's with gladness and joy in my heart to welcome my guy, Bishop Wale Ajayi, to give us the word of God tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I, I don't do too well with introductions. Uh, Why are you talking about me? That's just... So, well, thank you very much, Pastor Richard, for this opportunity. And I'm very happy to be here, very happy. 
somebody say amen. That please be seated. Let's get into business. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. So there's a lot of, a lot of work to do this weekend, starting today. Uh, we'll, go to, we'll, we'll stop somewhere today. Tomorrow morning, I want to encourage you to be here tomorrow morning because we would uh, have, have time to uh, go in very, very deeply in the things that we would want to share. Somebody say amen. amen. So I would be, I'll, be very, I'll start very fundamentally tonight. I would like to start very, very, uh, from the very fundamentals of our life in Christ and in the spirit. All right, are we ready? Okay, so let's get into business. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's someone with a terrible shoulder pain. You've had it for a while now. Come place your hands down. Just receive your healing now. You've had a shoulder pain for a while now. You receive your healing in the name of Jesus. You have terrible shoulder pain. Just touch it right now and receive healing in the name of Jesus. Now move the arm. Move it. Move it. Move it. And just receive your healing now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I speak to, I speak to pain in your back. Something in your, around your spine. Receive healing now in the name of Jesus Christ. Every pain in your lower back, receive healing now in the name of Jesus. I command that blood, that condition that the doctor told you about your blood be reversed right now in the name of Jesus Christ. How many of you know God does miracles? Two, three Sundays ago, somebody met me after church and said, Bishop, my brother is was diagnosed or is diagnosed with kidney failure. He's, there's one thing they used to measure kidney in, the, in medicine. It's called G something. Glomerular one, English, English. Who's the doctor? Who knows what I mean? What I, that's what I just said. Glo something, merular, blah, 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 blah. Something. They said the guy's own was, his own was, had dropped from normal human being 60 and above. He's dropped to less than 15. His whole body was swollen. Face swollen, feet swollen, everything swollen. His brother comes to the office and says, Bishop, my brother is down with kidney failure, dialysis, then transplants. That's what we're discussing now. So we said we should pray. So we agreed in faith, held hands together, prayed, and we commanded the kidneys to start working. And then he went, he went away. A week later, he came to see me in church in the office. He said, Bishop, my brother is at home. I said, which brother? He said, the one you prayed for. Which one, which one did you pray for? Because many people meet me after service, so I cannot remember who and who we're praying for. He said, my brother's at home. I said, what's he doing at home? He says, well now. What about his well now? So he said, <coughs> he said, after the Sunday, after we prayed with him, they took him to the hospital. He said, well, the first thing they shocked they got when they got home was that Sunday evening, his feet that were swollen began to come down. So they went to the hospital to see the doctor so they could start the dialysis for the... Uh, before they, before they would do the transplant. Uh, so they found out, so they, 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 it had come down, so let them check, let's let start dialysis. But it said, because it came down, let's check again. The thing that was less than 15 had moved to over 60. 
and they discharged him and said, go home. No need for dialysis. Restored completely. That's, I gave you fresh one, the one that happened this week. Enos knows all the many ones that happened. I just spoke about what happened last week now. Miracles still happen. Don't get too, too educated for miracles. Mm. Let's not become Americans or people in the UK who, because, they, because everything works. There's insurance, there's doctor, and they play down the supernatural. We are supernatural people. Am I making sense to you? We are supernatural people. Miracles still happen. And you will receive miracles today. Why does God do miracles? He doesn't do miracles because of what you do. He does them because of what you hear. Let me say it again to you. God does not do miracles because of what you do. He does miracles because of what you hear. And what is it that you hear? The gospel. It's called the hearing of faith. Galatians 3 and verse 5. Show me. Galatians 3 and verse 5. I'm preparing you because you're going to receive miracles. He therefore that ministereth to you the spirit. You see that? And what? Walketh miracles. The word miracles there is dunamis. Power. Works of power among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by what? The hearing of faith. So Paul is telling the Galatian church that God does not do miracles. Or Let me say it like this. He said to them, people came from Jerusalem and was telling them that faith in Christ is not sufficient. That faith in Christ is too simple or too passive for, for God. You must add to faith in Christ. So they began to tell them to be circumcised and to obey the law. Actually, it's not really the law they wanted them to obey because these guys, as it were, knew something about faith in Christ, but they wanted them to be circumcised. So Paul, if you look at Paul's, letter, Paul's letters to the Galatian church, later he was saying, if you want to be circumcised, you must take the law too. So these guys just wanted them to circumcise to control them. Am I making sense to you? But Paul was not asking. He said, God who ministers the spirit and does miracles amongst you before these people came. Was he doing it because you were obeying the law or because you heard the gospel? So listen to me, and this is the principle here. God does miracles not because we did anything, but because we heard and believed the gospel. So three reasons why God does miracles. Number one, he does miracles to give attestation to the gospel. The gospel is the too good to be true message, so it needs validation. It needs to be given attestation to. Am I making sense to you? It's like me telling you that if you, um, if you like me telling you, the federal government just anoint, appointed you as the minister of petroleum. You. Don't say amen. <laughs> no. You now. I'm not professor. I'm just giving you gist. In my, okay, because I wear tie and collar. I just give you gist. I say, federal government, ah, what's your name, bros? Isaac, 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 what you did, what you did? Isaac, ah, federal government, just make you minister of petroleum. You first say, the first in your mind is, where's the proof, Abby? Show me, give me evidence. Where's the newspaper? Where's the evidence? Where's the, exactly. Miracles is God's evidence or God's testimony that his too good to be true message is true. So, so listen, miracles is not about making a star of a man. Miracles are about God making a star of you. So because you are doing miracles, you think it's you. It's not you. God is giving attestation to his message. 
You did what I just said. Number two, God does miracles to glorify his son Jesus. The one who died, who was buried and rose again. So miracles happen in his name for showing you that God has glorified him. Am I making sense to you? And number three, God does miracles because he loves us. He loves people. I say he loves us. I'm finished, finished. Nothing else. Not because you pay the price. You know people say funny things now. You pay a price. Don't pay no price. Price, one price is paid. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, sometimes it makes me laugh because I tell our people, what people who don't know God, who people who Jesus does not know are doing, you are paying price to do. Did you read your Bible? He would say on that day, Lord, Lord, because the, he said, depart from me because of iniquity, I never knew you. So people he doesn't know, and he will never know, are doing miracles in his name, and you are paying price to do it. For what now? For what? Am I making sense to anybody here? Please pay attention to me tonight. So I'm saying all of that to say that you can receive miracles tonight in your body. Things will change in your life. There'll be manifestations of the power of God in your life. Because God is going to give attestation to this message. In the name of Jesus Christ. Eye defects will be healed. Eye defects are healed. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, let's go to Ephesians 2. Let's begin from there. So, we're very good to be fundamental tonight, and I need you to just follow. From verse 1, it says, And you have he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that not walketh, in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the loss of the flesh, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature, say nature. nature, by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead, dead, D-E-A-D, dead, in sins, hath what? Quickened us together with Christ, for by grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, we might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For Verse 8 again, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had foreordained. at before ordained that we should walk in them, wherefore remember, okay, let's stop at verse 10, uh, we are for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Somebody say amen. amen. So the first thing I want to draw your attention to fundamental understanding is, Christianity is not God making bad people good. Christianity is not God is not, capital N-O-T, not God making bad people good. Rather, Christianity is God giving life to dead people. Yeah. Write it down. It's fundamental. If you don't have this fundamental understanding, you would think that Christianity is character reformation. You would think Christianity is about charity work. You would think Christianity is about uh, 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 behavior. Behavior. You know, you know, you can have... It's not behavior that saves you, but belief. It's belief. Belief saves us, not behavior saves us. 
So if you don't understand what I'm saying now, you will be thinking behavior, not belief. Am I making sense to you? That's, and it's in this understanding sometimes that makes our Christian sisters be, be a comfortable marrying unbelievers. Because the unbeliever behaves better than a Christian brother. So you rather say, I married this behavior, this unbeliever who behaves well, than the Christian brother. Oh, but he behaves well, he's nice. He, but you see something, he's a dead person. You hear what I just said? That's why some Christians are more comfortable with charity work. You don't know charity work without salvation is like pouring food into a dead man's mouth. You hear what I just said? Charity without the gospel is like giving food to a dead man. Of what benefit is food to a dead man? You hear what I just said? What is the benefit of food to a dead man? He's dead. Am I making sense to you? Food is only beneficial to a man who is alive. That's what the Bible says, do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. It's only those who are alive. Am I making sense to anybody here? What the, what the, the unbeliever is dead. So hear this very well. Christianity is not God making bad people good. It is rather giving life to who? Dead people. So the first thing we read in Ephesians 2 was, even you who were dead, dead, dead. That's why you read in your Bible, Acts chapter 10. Go to Acts 10 verse 1. Acts chapter 10 verse 1. This is very fundamental for the things we're going to be sharing. Acts chapter 10 verse 1. Look at the scripture. I want it up here. There was a certain man in Caesarea called who? Cornelius. A centurion of the band called the Italian band. Next verse. Let's look at the, let's look at the characteristics of Cornelius. Number one, what was he? A devout man. What does devout mean? A devoted, a devout man, right? Somebody's pious. Who is? Let's try amplify. Maybe amplified will help us. Go to amplified version. Good. A devout man and one who, along with all his household, feared God. He feared God. He made many charitable donations to Jewish people. He prayed to God always. Look at me, child of God. What what is what is not Christian about this man? What is not Christian about him? You know, if this man as he is now can be an elder in some of your churches, this will make elder. You know what I just said? These people like this will look at, ah, he's a devout man. He fears God. He comes early to all the services. Look at him. He fears God. You cannot trace evil to his household. Am I making sense to you? His children are compliant. They behave well. Well-behaved children, prim and proper. He, he, he's a giver. A charitable donation. He's everywhere blessing people. Okay? He prayed all. He has a prayer life. Some of you don't have a prayer life. He prayed to God. All Even goes further. Look at the next verse. The man saw visions. Angel appeared to him. Look at this. Some of you have been Christians for years. You never seen one angel. Angel feather you never see. This guy saw angels. But in all of this, he was a dead man. Not saved. Not saved. He had behavior, but no belief. So learn this first of all. Christianity is not about behavior or good, bad people becoming good. No, it's first of all, fundamentally, God giving life. Say life. life. To who? Dead people. All right? So let's look at that. What, how did they die? Where did that death come from? 
what, 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 where did the death come from? Now, when we say death uh, or dead, we don't mean uh, physical death, rather we mean spiritual death. Now, spiritual death is the condition that Adam got all of us into. Spiritual death is what? The condition, the Bible distinguishes between uh, maybe four kinds of death. There's physical death, there's spiritual death, there's eternal death. Then it also speaks of one called second death, which I think also is eternal death. Am I making sense to you? So, and, and every time you see death, it means separation. Separation. Physical death is spirit and body separated. Uh, uh, spiritual, that's physical death. Spiritual death is alienation or separation from the life and nature of God. Eternal death is separation forever from the presence of God in the lake of fire. Am I making sense to anybody here? Now, so the fundamental understanding is this. That uh, uh, this condition of spiritual death that every man born into the world in born into the world has came from someone. Let's see, let's see Romans 5 quickly. Romans 5. These are very fundamental things I want you to understand. Romans 5, are you there? From verse 12. Stay with the King James. And if I tell you to go before you go. Now maybe we should go to Romans 5. Start from verse uh, 11. Go to verse 11. Romans 5.11 says, not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received what? The atonement. Now look at verse 12. What does verse 12 say? Wherefore, as by who? One man, what entered the world? Sin entered into the world and death by sin. That death there is spiritual death. And so death passed upon how many men? All men, for all have sinned. So if you came into this world through Adam, you have the nature of sin and therefore you have the condition of spiritual death. That's why, that's why, look at me. Who taught you how to lie? How many of you ever told a lie? Raise your holy hands. You ever told a lie? Man, there's those in front. Man, there's people in front. Don't raise your hand. Don't embarrass your members. Because they will not forget that you raised your hand. So, Pastor, they talk lie. So, how many of you have ever told a lie? Love you, congregation. And you heard that, don't you, pastors? Put your hand up. You told the lie. Okay. How many of you can remember when you told your first lie? That's B. One B. You, when you told your first lie. I can't remember, B. Number one C. Who taught you how to lie? One D. If nobody taught you, where did it come from? Inside. Inside. One E. <laughs> If it comes inside you, who put it there? Adam. Adam. So Adam sinned and passed on. For, it's, it's, like, it's like you relocating now to the UK and give birth to your kids in the UK. Because you are in the UK, where will your kids be born? The UK. It's where you are. They are. So Adam, because he sinned, was already in that condition of spiritual death. I'm going to make sense to you. So any child born to Adam from that place came with that condition. The only man who did not have it is Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was not born with the seed of a man. Am I making sense to you? Somebody say amen. amen. So, so we, we see where that condition came from, that we all, we all were dead spiritually. And the fruit of that condition is sinfulness. The fruit of that condition is sinful action. So listen to this. That's why, you must, that's why we preach the gospel. Sinful actions are the fruit 
of a spiritual condition, which is a condition of, of death. That's why telling a sinner to change is not the gospel. When you see somebody drinking, three girls by his side, eh? and you go there and you start telling him, you have to change. You have to try and be a born again. No, that's not the gospel. Because the man is living out his nature. Where are you, Where are you from, sir? Castanop, Anambra boy. Where are you from, Anambra? Your dad. Your dad's from Anambra. Your dad. What of your mom? Anambra, Anambra. Where is Anambra? Ikusigu. Where's that? Not Ohiala. Ikusigu. I know Ohiala. Okay, so you are from Ikusigu, Anambra, because your father is from there. If you had the choice, where would you come from? <laughs> eh? Canada. Long throat. Long throat. Canada. This guy, you're a long throat guy. So you sort your mind, you don't did it already. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, so you, so you could have chosen Canada, but you are here. If you could choose parents, would you choose your parents? They will be in Canada. They will not choose them. Well, you are holier than me. My mom and my dad will be my, will be my neighbors. Good neighbors. My mom will be queen of England. And my dad will be, will be Bill Gates. Oh, Lord. Someone say money. money. Jesus. Imagine the combination. Now, but you see, we didn't have a choice. We are born, we, we born in a house. You saw one man, they said, it's Papa. This one is mama. That's how we found out. That's what Adam did to all of us. Am I making sense to you? So in that condition of spiritual death, sinful actions are the natural fruit of that condition. Now, to make it worse, the consequence of that sinful action huh, is eternal death. Eternal death. What is eternal death? Eternal separation from God. So when God says the wages of sin is death, that death now is not spiritual death. That death now is not physical death. That death is the third one. Eternal death. Are you learning what I'm trying to say to you? But the challenge with that statement is, who should face eternal death that is death spiritually, that is producing sinful actions, is who God loves. For God so loved the world. So God is now turned between his statement of judgment on the sinner who sins and the love he has for the sinner. For example, there's a story in scripture that communicates it well to us. It's the story of Jephthah. How many of you know Jephthah's story? Jephthah. Huh? Who knows the story of Jephthah? Jephthah in the Bible. Now, listen to this carefully. Jephthah made a vow. Judges 11, you see the story there. He made a vow to God that I'm going to war Whatever comes out of my house first, I will give you as a burnt sacrifice. Who knows that story? So Jephthah goes to war, and he comes back home, and his only daughter, no brother, no sister, runs out to him. Daddy! Now Jephthah remembers the vow he made, and he stopped and began to cry. That he must offer his daughter as a sacrifice because of the vow he made. Question to you, 
If you were the one in Jephthah's shoes, what would you do? How many of you will offer your child as a bond sacrifice? And raise your hand. How many of you, I don't talk, I don't talk, come. You will do it. If your wife is near you and the man you're trying to raise your hand, I warn you. Before they begin beating for what you never do. How many of you got that beating when you were small? The parents beat you in advance for what you have not done. They go to their friends as their friends tell them what their child did. They will not come home and be beating you if you like. <laughs> African parents, if you like, you hear? Duam. <laughs> Thank you. Am I making sense to anybody here? So, no, 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 get me one. Okay, thank you, oh good, thank you. Uh, thank you. So, 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 Jephthah, now how many of you will do what Jephthah said, did, did? Now how many of you will find a way if there's a way? You find a way, right? Now look at me. That story was not written in the Bible because of Jephthah. It was written because of you and I to show you where God found himself. It was God who said, the soul that sin shall die. It was God who said, the wages of sin is death. But who should die is who God loves. Now remember, this particular death now is not spiritual death, it's not physical death, but eternal separation from God. How many of you would like to be separated from your baby? Your only child. You want to be separated from your child. How many of you would like that? Even for one minute, for one hour, for two days, for three days, no, no mother wants to do that. But imagine forever a child you love. Now you have to be separated from that child because of something you said. So listen, salvation, first of all, is not about the devil. It's about God saving himself from himself. <laughs> Satan is not the issue about salvation at all. It's about God bringing himself out from a place he found himself. He said, who sins must be separated from me. Who now sinned is who he loves. I was trying to teach my daughter this, Abigail. I say, Abigail, imagine I say, nobody should put on the TV. Whoever puts on the TV must leave this house. And I come home, I made the TV on, and I'm shouting, who put the TV on? Who put the TV on? You must leave this house today. And they say, oh, guys, Abigail. How many of you know my voice will first come down? <laughs> All the vibration will stop. Abigail, why? Was it really you? Say, that is me. Wow. <laughs> if you're a bini man, oh, give me. <laughs> oh, give me pataki. That's big trouble. Come on, say amen. amen. And I was teaching Abigail. I said, Abigail, said, that, that, what's going to happen? I said, you have to leave the house. So imagine Abigail with a small box. Where are you going? My daddy says to leave the house. Why? I put on the TV. <laughs> Foolish daddy. <laughs> so... God had to solve the problem. So I said, Abigail, you know what, what happened? I will leave the house for you. He said, Daddy, but we won't be together. I said, yes, when I leave the house, there's another law that says that the owner of the house must stay in his house. So I leave for you to stay, then I will not come back as the owner. Said, oh, Daddy, yeah. She understood. She understood. So, listen, that's what happened. God found himself in that condition. What would God do to save that situation? Oh, God became a human being in the person of Jesus and died the death of the sinner and says if the sinner puts faith in him, the sinner will be saved. Somebody say amen. That's the gospel of Jesus. 
So listen to this carefully. I was, I was, I was sharing this in church also so you can understand it. A man who kills his enemy is a strong man. A man who kills his enemy is what? A strong man. But what do you call a man who kills his only son to save his enemies? Describe him. Let's talk about it again. A man who kills his enemies is a strong man. But what do you call a man who kills his only son? Now, you know many times we say Jesus died, Jesus died, Jesus died. Many times we don't realize that Jesus is God's son. You know what I just said? We speak about Jesus, he died, he died, he died. Yes, he died. But you realize that Jesus is the son of God. So God killed his only son. Now, I say he killed him. Check your Bible. Isaiah 53, it was the Lord's will to bruise him, to crush him, to put him to grief. So God killed his only son to save his enemies. Describe the man who kills his son to save his enemies. Am I making sense to you? Now that's what God did. That's what God did for the man who was in the condition of spiritual death. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? That sinful actions came from that condition. Listen carefully. And the consequence of that sinful action is eternal death. So what did God do? When Christ died, when Christ died, by his death, he canceled out the consequences of our sinful actions. Somebody say amen. amen. So he canceled out the consequences of our sinful actions. He said, behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. So hear me, child of God, when Jesus died on that cross, he took sin forever out of the sight of God. You know what I just said? I said sin has been taken forever from the sight of God. That's why, that's why, that's why we boldly declare all sin has been forgiven. Past, present, and future. Why? Because Jesus, by one act, took it out of the way. So I'm going to make sense to you. So God's dealing with man now is not based on man's character, but based on what God has done in Christ Jesus. Because if God were to count iniquity, Psalm 130, show me, Psalm 130. Psalm 130 verse 3. I've not touched my teaching, no, Richard. God help me. I think, because we can, it's not on Friday. Let's do all night now. <laughs> Look at what it says. If thou, Lord, shouldest what? Mark iniquities. Oh Lord, who shall stand? What does that mean? Nobody can stand it. But look at verse 4. But there is what? Forgiveness with you that thou mayest be feared. We fear him because of his forgiveness. That, what does that mean? The man who will kill his son to save his enemies, we fear him. I mean, we fear him. A man who will kill his son to save the enemy he loves. Ah. Oh. We fear him. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, so, so God, Christ died and the consequence of sins was dealt with. Eternal separation from God. But God didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. He still didn't stop there. There was also the source of the sinful actions. Remember that sinful actions came from a condition, right? What condition? The condition of spiritual death that Adam gave to how many people? All people. So, but if God now by the, by the Christ's blood has dealt with the consequence, with the sinful actions, with the consequence of sinful actions, what of the condition that produces the sinful actions? If he just deals with the sinful actions and not deal with the source of it, he has not solved the problem. It's like trying to stop, maybe this went in this room now, and it's flooded, there's water everywhere. 
and all you are doing is sweeping the water. Have you solved the problem? What, do you, what, your, what does common sense say? Deal with the source of it and then clear out the room. God is wise. I say God is wise. If you have enough sense to think that way, God is wise. So he didn't stop at just dealing with the actions of sin and the consequences thereof. He went to the source of it, which is that spiritual death condition from Adam. And the antidote to that condition is called eternal life. Eternal life is now a replacement, giving us a new nature. Am I making sense to anybody here? He now gives us a new nature. He now gives us life. The way he gave life to Adam's dead body. He now gives us life. That's why the, in John 20, when Jesus breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Ghost, that's when they got born again. It's similar to what God did to Adam when he breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. This time he breathes into them and they become quickening spirits. That was their born again experience. Am I making sense to anybody here? The Holy Ghost baptism came in Acts chapter 2. But that time in John 20, when he breathed on the disciples, that's when they gave them eternal life. Am I making sense to anybody here? So eternal life is the antidote that deals with the condition that Adam gave us. And if you have put faith in Jesus, you have that life now. 1 John chapter 5 from verse 9, quickly. 1 John 5 verse 9. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Are you understanding something? Okay. These are very fundamental things you must understand. 1 John 5 from verse 9, quickly. 1 John 5 from verse 9. The Bible says, and if you receive what? The witness of men, what, is, what does it say? The witness of God is what? Greater. All right? For this, the witness means the testimony. For this is the witness which God has testified of who? His son. And what is that testimony? Verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God has what? The witness in himself. Alright? And he that believeth not God hath made him what? A liar. Why? Because he had not believed the record that God gave of his son. Notice that everything is about his son. You cannot say you believe God and not believe what he has said about his son. You know what I just said? You, you, can, you, don't, you, you believe in God by believing in his son. Faith in God is defined by faith in Christ. You don't have faith in Christ, sorry, you don't have faith in God. You know what I just said. So, he said, because he believed the record that God gave of his son. Verse 11. And this is the record which God has what? Given of his son. What is the record that God has given? That God has given to us what? Eternal life. And this life is in who? His son. Verse 12. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. So when you put faith in Jesus, you believe in the son, you receive eternal life. And this eternal life is the antidote to the condition of spiritual death that Adam gave to all of us. So Adam gave us a condition of death. Christ gives us eternal life. Somebody say amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come as I have eternal life. Now this is the life we're talking about. When we say life in the spirit, is this life we're speaking about? Is this life we're speaking about? The life that we have received from the Father. 
Not just our physical life. We're speaking about the life we have received from the Father. It's called eternal life. And child of God is the life that is in the Son. What does that mean? It's the same life that is in the Son that is in you now. Actually, it's the Son living through you. Let me show you how Paul puts it in Galatians 2. Go to Galatians 2. See how Paul renders it in Galatians 2. Oh, glory to God. So in Galatians 2 verse 20, see how Paul puts it? Now remember I told you God dealt with the consequences, but he didn't stop at that. He dealt with the source. How, how did he deal with the source? I'm showing you now. What is in Galatians 2.20? I am what? Crucified. Say, I am, I am. crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, he says. Yet, not I, but what? Christ, who lives where? In me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by how? The faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. My strategy for living in this world is by faith in the Son of God. My strategy for living is by faith in the Son of God. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives where? In me. In other words, the life I live now is actually Christ living through me. Just as Adam expressed his nature, Adam's nature was expressed through me, Christ's nature now, his life now, is expressed through my body. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Say, Christ lives in me. Now, see how he starts the conversation. I am crucified with Christ. When did that happen? Oh, we see it in Romans 6. We see it in Romans 6 when Paul asks the question, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He didn't say you forbid. He said God forbid. You forbid is what you do to make it not so. God forbid is what God has done to make it not so. You know what I just said? So, so, let me give you an example. I saw a baby somewhere there just now. Who's carrying a baby just now? Stanley, you're holding a baby just now. You're not holding a baby. Maybe I'm saying in the spirit, too, but I say something will happen to your family. Daisy, the Lord's saying something. You saw, I put up a post recently. I took a picture with someone. How to put out there? Before I begin, said, Congratulations, not my baby. Because people are quick to prophesy in Nigeria. So, is that your ch- child, Mama? Stand up with your child. Stand up. Good. Now, how old is that baby? Two years old. Does she use diaper? No. Wow. Okay, you say no. Are you the father? You're no sharp. <laughs> okay, skip Sunday, madam. So, did that child use diaper at any time? Okay, so she was pooping. Did you clean the poop? You didn't run away from it. Did it smell? Baby poop smells? No, I don't believe that. Baby, as precious as she looks now, as innocent as she looks, that their poop smells. So did you run from the poop? You ran to it. How many of you realize that they don't poop, we pray? It's prayer point. So you don't run away from the poop. You run towards it. How many of you realize, now, if she can be that unloving for her child, why do you think God hates sinners? Why do you think that God hates sinners, that God runs away from sinners because of their sin. Did you realize that when Adam sinned in the beginning, it was God who came to look for him? You think God didn't know he had sinned? Say, well, Adam, where are you? God loves people. God loves sinners. Now, Madam, keep standing. So, she pooped and you clean. 
she, now, was there a time she had dysentery or diarrhea? And she was pooping, pooping, pooping. Was there a point you got tired? You kept cleaning. You didn't stop. You cleaned, you cleaned, you cleaned. She was pooping, you were cleaning. Is it because you have the gift of cleaning? You were cleaning. <laughs> but you, something was, the, your, your love for your daughter made you, no matter how messy and smelly the poop was. Now, let me ask you a question. Did you stop at cleaning the poop or at some point your common sense told you? What did common sense tell you at, at, some, at some point? How you poop like four or five times? What did common sense tell you? Buy medicine or call the doctor or check what is wrong. Am I making sense to you? Or deal with the source of the pooping. If you get sense, God gets sense. God did not just stop at forgiving our sins because of the blood of Jesus. He went to the thing that produces the source, the sin, which is the source, which is the condition that Adam gave to us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the only way he could do that was to include us in his death, in his burial and his resurrection. He took us to his own surgery. He took us to his own hospital called the cross. Galatians 6.14, let me show you. Galatians 6.14, see what Paul says. Galatians 6.14. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Look at this. Galatians 6.14. Quickly, whoever is on the projector. He says, but God forbid that I should glory save where? In the cross of our Lord Jesus, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. What did Paul say? God took me to surgery. The surgery and the hospital is called the cross. On that cross, that thing that made me sin and makes me want to sin, he took it out. And give me eternal life. And this life in me is what makes me a new creation. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. All things. He said, it's not you that makes it happen. He's the one who does it. It's called born again. Born again is not your achievement. So stop, stop telling people, try and be a born again. Stop saying that thing. Stop. It's irritating. Try and be a born again. You hear? Try. <laughs> This bond where they burn you now. So did you did they, did you burn yourself? Did somebody burn you? So why are you telling people to be born again by themselves? No, the, as you did, so they burn you. This second bond too, they have to burn you. It is God who burn us again. James 1.18. Look at James 1.18. Look at James 1.18. Look at James 1.18. James 1.18 quickly. James 1 verse 18. Of his own will begat he us. Of his own will begat he us. How? With the word of truth. What's that? The gospel. So we heard the gospel. We believe the gospel. And he burned us again. Titus 3. Go to Titus 3. From verse 3. God help me to do. Titus 3. I must say the last time I want to say before I close. I must say it. And I must hit that point. Because if I don't do it, tomorrow we drag. Watch it. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, say foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Are those good behavior? Is that good character? No. Watch verse, go to verse 4. See God's response to that. But after that what? How does, how does, how, how can God's response to bad behavior be kindness and love? How can God's response to bad behavior be kindness and love? Oh, because it's coming, that behavior is coming from the nature. And you can't beat it out. 
You can't advise it out. You can't. Anambra, stand up again. How much beat can we beat him to change it from Anambra to Spain? What of advice? What of punishment? It can, can it work? No, only surgery. Can even help him a bit. Am I making sense to anybody here? You cannot advise. That's, that's, you cannot beat sin out of the sinner. You can't advise sin out of the sinner. Stop telling people who are sinners. You see, try and change you. Yeah, Ch- change how? It's only the gospel that a man hears, enters his heart, causes a reconfiguration, a change from the inside out. Christianity is not change from the outside, it's change from the inside out. And this love and kindness of God is shown by the cross. Romans 5 verse 8, it says, For God showed his love, demonstrated his love towards us, in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So, after God's love was shown by the cross, watch what it says, next verse. Oh, go to, back to Titus 3. Help me, Jesus, help me. Are you in Titus 3? All right, now, verse 4, go to verse 4. Can I, now, go to verse 5 now. Oh, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By what? The washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So, he's showing you something. That when a man puts faith in Jesus, leave the behavior to God. Belief is all he needs. He changes behavior. Hear me again, no? Belief in Christ is all he needs from any man. Behavioral change is done by him. So stop telling people to change behavior. That's not the gospel. The gospel is believe on the Lord Jesus. Can I show something to you? Ah, Richard, help me. Okay, go to Luke. Let's see Luke. Let's have him Luke. Let me show you something. Go to Luke. Let's see what, when John, is he Luke, should I start from self? Hmm. Okay. Holy Spirit, help me. Okay, are you in Luke? Luke from verse uh, 7. Verse 7. Are you there? Luke 2 verse 7. Watch it. Are you in Luke 2 verse 7? Luke 2 verse 7. No. Is it 2 or 3? Sorry, Luke 3 verse 7. Luke 3 verse 7. Please follow me. Now, verse 7 please. Now, before I say this, how many of you know the story that happened in Acts 19 and Acts 19? Where Paul goes to a place called Ephesus and finds some disciples and asks them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, what is Holy Ghost? What am I heard of Holy Ghost? And I asked them, unto what baptism were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. Oh. So what Paul now did was to present the gospel to them that John actually came to testify about Christ. So he preached Christ to them and then they believed on the Lord Jesus and then Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost as a proof that they were accepted by God. The Holy Ghost coming is what, like what happens in the Old Testament when sacrifices are offered to God, the acceptance of it was a release of fire from heaven. 
So also when a soul is received by God, when somebody is truly saved, receiving the Holy Ghost becomes the proof that he's been accepted by God. Because as believers, when we preach the gospel, we are giving an offering to God. Romans 15. Look at me funny. Romans 15. We go do go, go Bible to do. <laughs> we'll go to Romans 15 first. Go to Romans 15. Hold this thought. Go to Romans 15 from verse 15. Let me show you something. Romans 15 from verse 15. New Kingdom's version. Say, nevertheless, brethren, I'm written to you bold in some sort of putting in mind the grace of God given to me. Verse 16. Next verse. Okay. Then I should be what? Of who? Ministering what? The gospel of God. That the offering up of what? Might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So Paul is saying something. When we offer that the, that the gospel to the Gentiles, when we preach the gospel to the Gentiles, we are bringing an offering to God. And the acceptance of that offering is the release of the Holy Ghost. So when Paul asks them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? When they said no Holy Ghost, he said no, you are not saved yet. Because Holy Ghost is the fact that God has accepted the sacrifice. He has received you as an offering when you receive the Holy Ghost. When they didn't have Holy Ghost, only hear about Holy Ghost, Paul said, no, you are not saved yet. That's why you can be in church and not be saved. You know what I just said? You can, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a, standing in the garage doesn't make me a car. If I stand in the garage, I'm a car. Now, so you can be inside here and not be a child of God. If it's by being in church, these chairs are holier than all of us because they're not the go house. They actually abide in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. So why did I go all that route? Listen to this. Now, so Paul goes there and says, have you seen the Holy Ghost since, Holy Ghost since you believe? He said, what's Holy Ghost? He now said, unto what then were you baptized? He said, unto John's baptism. So pay attention. So what was John's baptism? What does that mean? What was John's teaching? What was John teaching? See what John was teaching. Go to Luke 3 from verse 7. See what they heard. What, and who, by the way, who taught them? Apollos. Go to Acts 18. You will see where the Bible says there was a man mighty in scriptures. He, was all but, he only knew the baptism of John. It was Priscilla and Aquila who heard him and brought him and taught him the way of the Lord more accurately. Now watch this now. So they came to John. What do we do to be saved? So they came to be baptized. And John said, Oh, generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Next verse. Next verse, please. Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. Dead people. Dead people. He's saying to go and change. Begin to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I said to you that God is able to raise up these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Next verse. And now the axe is laid on the root of the trees. Go to the next verse. And the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? He had John's baptism. He answered and said to them, he that had two coats, <laughs> let him impart to him that had none. Good works. <laughs> Charity. He that had meat, let him do likewise. That's what people of the world like to hear. Yeah. So when you're doing this kind of thing, they'll say, hey, read Christianity. And we too, we join them and be clapping. That's what John was preaching. Next verse. Go to the next verse. Then he came to the publicans. Baptized. What, master, what shall we do? Look at what he said. He said to them, exact no more <laughs> that which is a point. Don't overtax people. 
<laughs> Next verse. Verse 14. So that's like I said of him, what shall we do? I said to them, do violence to no man. Neither accuse anyone falsely. Because so John had actions for everybody to do to be saved. But look at the same question that was asked to Paul. Look at Acts chapter 16. Acts 16. Look at Acts 16. Are you there? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Are you in Acts 16? Look at verse... Uh, Verse 30. Verse 30. Acts 16, verse 30. You know the story. After Paul and Silas were uh, freed, were, 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 the, the, the chains broke, and the jailer came, and he brought them and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Hear what Paul said. Go and give your clothes to people. Stop being, you know, he was a soldier too. So he would have quoted John. Uh, don't exact anymore. Don't no more violence. What did John, what did Paul say? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, you and your house. So the matter is not behavior, it's belief. When you believe, belief will cause the change in you. You live from inside out. Am I making sense to anybody here? Somebody say amen. amen. Now, now, now. So we can really close. This is the real closing now. Hallelujah. Really close. So, so this life, this life is the life we have received in Christ Jesus. We have received eternal life in Christ Jesus. Say, I've received eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now, this life is lived in Christ. So, this life is the life we have in Christ. Say, in Christ. So, one of the things you would need to learn so that this life we have received can find expression in your everyday experience is to learn what I call your in Christ realities. Say in Christ realities. Say learn. Learn. Say learn. 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 Understand. Learn it. Because you must learn it. How many of you realize that when you were in secondary school, you didn't read by osmosis? How many of you, when you want to read secondary school, you put the textbook on your head like this? And there's a movement from higher concentration. So the things in the book will just transmit. How many of you have put like that for you? How many of you realize that those who do better in class were those who, after class, will go to library? Remember them? I had one friend, Igo Imoni. Igo will go to class after class, after library, after classes. Me and my other friends will go and be cooking beans. How many of you know it takes four hours for beans to done? <laughs> four hours with stove. Then we will now sit down and put gari on top and eat it. How many of you know that after you eat beans and gari, you, you don't want to read? The only thing you want to do is sleep. That was our daily routine till exam time. Till exam time. Then exam time, you now want to catch up. You will not go to class. You will not open the book. Not cramp here. Watch. You know that when you are reading, you will not be sleeping. You will not think you have read this page. No, no, that the page read you. Then you will not. You didn't read anything, though. You were sleeping. Too. 
You now realize you have been there for a long time. You will not turn. You didn't anything. When the result now comes, you will not say, they gave me D. People like Ego got A. You, they gave you D. And Ego will come when the B is done done. Ah, any wax? Any wax? They have spoon in their back pocket. Any wax? It will follow to you to eat. I'm not making sense to you. So you see, even with your physical classwork, you give yourself to learning. I'm not making sense to you. When it comes to spiritual things also, you must give yourself to learning. Listen, it's not enough for what pastor teaches on Sunday. Listen, it's for you to go back and learn these things. So this life that we have received now finds food. Now, guess what? We have all received it. Nobody has it more than another person. If you have put faith in Christ, that life is in you. Come and say, it's in me. But you see, it's as you learn Christ, as you learn Christ, that this life that is already in you starts to find expression. We see that in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. Show me. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. Thank you for the extra time. I'm almost done. It says, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. Say, but we all, with what? Open face. Unlike Moses, you know, Moses veiled his face, but we all with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord. I say, Bishop, what's the glory of the Lord? Go to chapter 6 of verse, chapter, verse 6 of chapter 4. Let's see what the glory of the Lord is. Verse 6 of chapter 4. For God who commanded what? To shine out of darkness and shine in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. So God's glory is revealed in the face of Jesus. So go back to chapter 3 verse 18. Chapter 3 verse 18. Chapter 3 verse 18. Go back there. Chapter 3 verse 18. But we all with what? Beholding us in the glass. What are we beholding? Where do we find the glory of God? In the face of Jesus Christ. We are changed into what? From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. So notice it's an effortless change. It's not effort-based. It's effortless. We look to learn Christ. As we are learning Christ, we are changed. Behavior, oh Lord. Behavior is changed as you keep learning Christ. From that life, you, you have received the life. You are learning Christ. As you are learning Christ, the Holy Ghost does the work of change. So your life starts to change and conform into the or align with the image of Christ you have received. Am I making sense to anybody here? So this comes by beholding. Say beholding. The word beholding there is to continue. It's not just behold. Beholding. So beholding means you are ever learning Christ. Now what does the learn Christ mean? It's to learn his death, his burial, and what? Now, when we say, well, we don't mean learn the fact of it. We mean learn the import of it. Learn the implications of it. So we call it your in Christ realities. So as you learn your in Christ realities, who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, what you can do in Christ, you will see that your life starts to change, not by your effort, but by the Spirit of God. And that life that you have received in Christ starts to find the expression. That's what we call life in the Spirit. Stand on your feet tonight. Now, we are still in 1A of up to 7 points. And I, I kid you not, we have just hit 1A 
of seven points because there's a lot to say. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say to you? Now, this is reclosing now. So let's see an example of one of it. Oh, God help me. Okay, go to Ephesians 1. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, no, Romans 8, Romans 8. Stand up with everybody, stand up. Romans 8. Are you Romans 8? Are you Romans 8? Let's read together loud, one to go. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in, are you in Christ Jesus? Then you will never face condemnation. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Who walk not after the flesh? Now, let me explain that to you. If you check older manuscripts, it ends at Christ Jesus. Now, in later manuscripts, they added who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, what is telling you here, watch me carefully, it is not a condition for this. Rather, a description of this. You hear what I said? What it means is those who are in Christ Jesus... Don't walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. You know what I just said? So it's not a condition to not to be condemned. It's rather describing those who are in Christ. That those who are in Christ don't walk after the flesh. Am I making sense to you? Why? Because the flesh has been crucified. Oh, yeah, glory to God. Now, now go, go, go to verse 2. Go to verse 2. Why? 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 For the law, principle of life, of the spirit of life, which operates in who? Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death that if I was a Bible writer, I would put another thing here in Adam. This spirit of life, this law of the spirit of life operates in Christ. The law of sin and death operates in Adam. Remember Romans 5.12. And sin came upon all men and sin by death through one man, Adam. So because of Adam, we all had the law or the principle of sin and death. And the only way to be free from that principle is for God to introduce us into Christ. So when you are in Christ, a new principle, a new law overrides that old law. And it's called the law of, of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So notice it. it is, is who in who? In, say in Christ. So it means, therefore, you must give yourself to the learning of your in Christ realities. So let me give you one. Romans, Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. We'll take that one. We'll stop. Then tomorrow we'll pick up from there. I'm trying to finish that 1B. But we can't. Look at this. Are you there? Let me read Ephesians 1. Now, what I want to show you now is in Ephesians 1, is in 1 Corinthians 1, is in Philippians 1, is in Colossians 1. Watch it. Let's read together loud. One to go. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So, watch it. They are at Ephesus, but they are in Christ Jesus. Let's see 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1. All right? Paul and the Apostle Jesus Christ went to the will of God. Next verse. 
Verse 2. To the church which is where? At Corinth. And to them that are sanctified in. So they are at Corinth, but they are in Christ. They are at Ephesus, but they are in Christ. So notice, location does not change. Go to Colossians 1. Colossians 1 from verse 1. Paul and Apostle God, Timothy, but next verse, verse 2. To the saints and faithful brethren, where? In Christ, which are at Colossae. Where are they? In Christ. At Colossae. Notice not in Colossae. They are at Colossae in Christ. They are at Ephesus in Christ. They are at Corinth in Christ. Let's see Philippians. Oh, glory to God. Are you Philippians? Are you learning something? So you realize that you are, you are at Lagos. <laughs> at Ikeja. But in Christ. So anywhere you locate to or you move to, you are in Christ at that place. Now, you see where it even gets better. That the year does not also change your location. So, in 2021, you are in Christ. In 2022, you are still in Christ. You go with your own environment. You still understand something now. That's why when you understand what I'm showing you now, you realize when Paul said, my God supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory by or in Christ Jesus. That Christ is the ecosystem for the believer. That anywhere you go, you carry your environment. Oh, Lord. Look at Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to the, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. So notice the understanding. I am in Christ at Benin. I'm in Christ at Lagos. I'm in Christ. So in other words, my environment does not limit me. My environment does not determine who I am or what I can do. Whether I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So my being in Christ is what really matters. So Christ is my ecosystem. I, everything I need or I would need is in Christ. Actually, the Bible says we are complete in him. We are complete in him. He says in Acts 17, 28, in him we move. In him we live. In him we have our being. So I, I, I carry an in Christ consciousness. So I'm not limited by Lagos or the part I live in Lagos. I'm in Christ. I can move to Benin and produce results in Benin because I am not in Benin. I am in Christ at Benin. I go anywhere with my in Christ consciousness because everything I need is in Christ. All the wisdom, all the knowledge of God is in Christ. I am in Christ. In management, you're a big man in management. They teach us about external environment and internal environment. That you can't do much about the external. Policies of government, increasing crime, you can't do anything about it. It's beyond your control. But you have what you call your internal environment that you can manipulate to deal with the external. I still go to school. It still did the blood. Ha! Ah, I go to school. So you, you deal with your, you use your internal 
to deal with the external. Are you learning something? You can't control what happens in Lagos or Port Harcourt or Abba, but you are in Christ. That's your internal environment. And with what you are, what you have in Christ, you can deal with whatever is coming from the outside. Am I making sense to you? So sometimes we forget our in Christ reality and just think we are in Lagos, in Lagos. And start saying useless things like, this country hard, oh. Now, wow, oh. Everywhere tough, oh. You know, good this wahala. You start talking, you start talking like somebody doesn't know he, he's in Christ. You can never live life in the spirit. You can never give expression to eternal life when you're not conscious of, the, of your location in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, go from prayer house to prayer house. Let all the Lagos pastors pray for you. I know Lagos, they like prayer. That's what's going on now. All my friends are not prayer warriors. Wake up by 6 a.m. and they're all praying. And your mind, prayer will just solve the problem. Or, or give a seed, a sacrificial seed, night, January, end of the month. They will tell you, you can bring offering. That will shift the atmosphere. Isaac, see there. We had that one today. Wicked people. Wicked people. That will shift the atmosphere. And you too, you'll be, you are gullible, you will believe. You believe. But say, I'm in Christ Jesus. Come on, shout, I'm in Christ Jesus. Come on, say, I'm in Christ Jesus. So you must begin to learn your in Christ realities. Your consciousness. I, see, see. Oh, Lord. Maybe we'll start that tomorrow. You, I'll show you tomorrow that one of, the, one of your in Christ realities is that you are blessed. And the blessing and the curse can't coexist. You cannot be in Christ and be attending breaking of courses program. You cannot be in Christ and be attending breaking of prison door program. If you go for breaking of prison door program, it means you're not in Christ. Because you can't be in Christ and be in prison. A holy son of man sets free. Say, I'm in Christ. Lift your hands towards heaven. Lift your hands towards heaven. Lift your hands towards heaven. And, and, and just declare. Just be your master. Just give thanks to God for what He has done for us in Christ Jesus. Fullness of God in hell just be what heights of love, what depths of peace, where fears are still, where striving sees my comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ, I stand. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man could ever block. 
me from his hands till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I stand hallelujah hallelujah listen listen he said if you don't believe this you make God a liar if you don't believe this testimony that God has given you eternal life and this life is in his son then you make God a liar and if you make God a liar how are you a Christian for whoever must come to God must believe that he is and the testimony that God has given that he must believe that he is is what he has testified of his son so when Paul says that diligently seek him not him, his son. For seeking him, he's seeking his son. You seek him by putting faith in his son. So, we're going to continue tomorrow as we keep learning the in Christ realities. But first of all, suffice for tonight to let you know that you have received the life of God. You're no long, you're not a, a refurbished sinner. You're not a renovated sinner. Rather, you have you are one who was dead, but now you have received the life of God. It's called eternal life. And just like a baby needs to learn how to walk, how to talk, huh? and as the baby learns, he grows and begins to give expression to those things. That's how you too, as you learn, your in Christ realities. That life of God that is in you the same that was in Christ starts to manifest in your life. Lift your hands towards heaven now. If you are sick in your body, you are healed. If you were sick in your body, you are healed. As if you were sick in your body, you are healed. Sickness leaves your body now. In the name of Jesus Christ, every sharp pain around your neck region leaves now. Every wrong, everything wrong with your heart healed now. In the name of Jesus I command every organ in your body to function right in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. I speak God's intervention to every area of your life, your finances, your family, your business, your health. Receive God's intervention now in the name of Jesus. It is well with you. Now make a joyful noise unto the Lord, everybody. This message was brought to you by Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. For more information, log on to our website at www.churchforreal.org. Church for Real. Influence your world.